Welcome to the Pursuing Perspective podcast in connection with the Warrior Project and sponsored in part by the Medjukos Health Institute. This podcast brings together people who actively pursue healing and growth on their journey and want to help others do the same. It is not just another bank of ideas from experts in their field, but is also a place that includes paths for practical application to shift both beliefs and behaviors for the purpose of progression. It's about knowing where you're at and how to get to where you want to be. Hello, friends. I'm so happy that you're here. I am your host, Chantel Thaxton-Blake. This is episode 19, You Are Enough. This is one that I'm super excited about because I get to talk with my best friend from childhood um, about her hero's journey. We're kind of on the road today doing this. I wanted to connect with her and be in person so that we could just sit and visit like friends like we've done for years. This is in the um, season two where we are talking about the hero's journey and how we can go through really difficult things and choose to tell a contamination story where life is happening to me and I have no control over it and I stay a victim or even in from the darkest things we can choose to tell a redemptive story that I can rise from this. What can I learn and gain from this? Um, This, my, my guest today, my dear friend, Gerilyn Shaw, Um, is one who I've seen do this over and over. She's been on this hero's journey more than once, kind of a similar journey with similar themes, I guess you could say. Um, But I've seen her rise and grow each time. And I put it out there to her and I said, you know, would this be something you'd like to be a part of? Because she came to mind very quickly when this, this new series or season kind of emerged. Um, We've been friends since we were little and we've seen a lot of life together and probably would say we we got each other through a lot of this. So, um, And she's just been impressive from the get-go. And she's an amazing mom. She's owned her own business. She's currently pursuing her degree in secondary education. Um, she doesn't just survive. She figures out how to come out on the other side of that and make it better. So um, we're gonna we're just gonna talk like friends today and make this um, everyone gets to sit in on what you and I this this gift that we get to do. I'm I've shared this with people close to me, but I'm when uh, we were growing up and we were she was over at my house. My mom would say to me, you know, you laugh with with your other friends, but you giggle with Gerilyn. Like it's like <laughs> a deep like giggle, and that's the thing that I think amazed me the most, Gerilyn, is that you still make me laugh. Like that you still haven't even in all the stuff you've been through lost your ability. Mm-hmm. I guess we do that, or we totally fall apart. Exactly. <laughs> so, Gerilyn, I'm so glad that you're willing to do this. I know that this Thanks. is. This takes a lot of courage to come and share this today, um, but I believe that this is going to be something that people, there's going to be someone especially that really needs to hear this. So so tell us a little, if we're going to use the archetype again of the hero's journey and we start in the ordinary world. Now, like I said, you've been on this journey several times, so it's not like we could pick just one point where you've kind of had this status quo. You've kind of come back to that changed over and over again. But just to give us a baseline, tell us a little bit about you, some of your interests, what that looks like. I grew up in a little town in Idaho. Yes, um, with, with me. Down the road. <laughs> um, Meeting lived, to ride bikes. Yes, um, lived there most of my life. I also lived in Utah for about 12 years and just recently moved back to Idaho. Um, I have three kids and I have one adorable grandson <laughs> and three beautiful granddaughters that are not my blood granddaughters, but I consider them granddaughters, um, a great daughter-in-law. And I love to bake. 
Um, yeah, and I've and I said before when we were prepping for this, and I love to eat what she bakes. If any of you have been lucky enough to have Gerilyn's cooking, and you owned your own business based on that, yes, tell us about that. I did. I had a little bakery um, in Idaho for about four years. Um, got up every well five days a week at. 4 a.m. had to be there by 4:30 to start baking. That's gross. <laughs> it is kind of gross, <laughs> but good at the same time. <laughs> oh, her bagels were amazing, and people still ask for them. And during all my recovery of stuff, she came down and brought food. One of my requests was her cheesecake, which I <laughs> called her and told her I was out and needed more of. So, she's there. There for some baking is like an art form, and she is an artist at it. If if that's a thing, she definitely is. So, thank you. So let's get into this a little bit and we can decide how much we want to go into. But this, you know, this is an interesting one because, and this was great because Jeremy talked about this in episode 18 where he kind of had these two calls. He had the one that was so exciting and it still offered growth, but it definitely looked more fun to go on the call to starting to pursue bobsledding. And then at the same time, that anxiety and depression starting and it was this other call. You know, it's hard to say... And we are going to talk about um, some tough things today. And they would be things that, you know, it's not like a call you'd want to be like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that one, right? So it's kind of hard to say this is a call to adventure. But even in that light, what are, give us kind of a background of some of the experiences that, you know, essentially you were called to, part of your life's journey that that have helped make you who you are. So what are some of those things that you've experienced? Um, I have experienced... Pretty much every abuse possible, um, verbal, emotional, mental, sexual, financial, psychological, um, and not just one marriage, but two different marriages, mm-hmm. um, to the point that my second ex-husband is now in prison. Yeah. Um, this has been, um, you know, I've watched this over the years, and I think we both talked about this. We kind of were like, when you got on the other side of the first one, and it was like, oh, good, and it was kind of, we thought kind of moving in thought my troubles were over. <laughs> <laughs> right that is that is the catch in life right we think oh I've been through this really hard thing and yet if we do look at the archetype of the hero's journey all those trials in that second section are preparing us for the big ordeal kind of the one where we actually face the loss of our own life or at least metaphorically but you, it was literally, I, I know I was really worried if we were going to see this last birthday that you had. And most don't experience it to this extreme. We're going to get to the lessons, but as you were going through those trials, there's things that can happen to kind of help get you through them. And mentors that come in as you, as you need, or, you know, some insights that you gain, just kind of at a starting point, were there mentors, were there insights, things like that, that kind of helped you through? Mentors, I... Obviously, I had some good friends like you, someone who no matter where they were at, they would listen to me cry or sob or scream or laugh. (laughs) Um, I did did go to therapy for quite a long time. Um, My first therapist I went to, I just spilled my guts out for a solid hour and sobbed and told him as much as I could in that one hour time. And at the end, he basically looked at me and told me that he couldn't help me that he needed to refer me to somebody who dealt with trauma and that <laughs> that was huge for me. I think I yeah. I knew I'd been through a lot, but I, I think having somebody like a therapist, some a professional say that, you know, you know what, I I can't even touch this right now. And so he referred me to somebody else who was great 
Um, I went once a week and really learned a lot from him. Um, no, that's huge. I think that's a huge thing to talk about is I think, well, when you listed the types of abuse you're exper you've experienced, mm -hmm. I want you to list them again because I think a lot of us assume, I think thankfully there's more awareness around abuse now. Mm -hmm. And we all experience kind of unkindness and, and cruelty sometimes by people in our lives because all in our unhealed state, we all sometimes treat people poorly. Um, abuse is a pattern of, it's a consistency um, and regardless, and the other thing is that regardless of what we do, it doesn't change. And I think there's a misconception too. Like I look back at certain things that I've written, like, oh, if I was just a better person or if I just done this more, if I just da, 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 it would have. And I think that that's a crazy making cycle. So right now I want to establish that, that when it's abuse, no matter what you do, it doesn't change because it's never about you. You right. are the next peace for them to play out whatever unhealed crap they're dealing with yes. and they need to go do their own healing but it doesn't need to be on you one of my favorite movies that actually like at the time it was really powerful for me was chalk a lot had you mm -hmm. watched we, that? we talked that together, together. <laughs> so I had talked about that but there's a line in there where the priest comes and he's trying to convince her to go back and he's like you know you're married you're in this you know you need to go back and he will be made to to repent and she said Tell him to repent on someone else's head next time. Yes. And and I love that. I think sometimes, especially because in the culture I know you and I have grown up in, we almost glorify the martyr. Yes, absolutely. That the more you take, the more you endure, the more righteous and better you are. And I've really seen that in this culture be a really damaging where we think that somehow it's okay that we take all that. And I think we need to come back to kind of the title. And I think this is something we're going to get to when you talk about the lessons that you've learned, but that we, that was never the intention. We are worth more than, you know, it's that person needs their own healing, but we don't have to stay there while they figure it out. Exactly. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So within, so list a couple of those pieces of abuse. Cause I think this okay. is those different types that you talked about, because I think that's important. Cause I think so often we think, well, I'm not experiencing abuse because I'm not being, you know, hit around. See, this is very interesting. Okay. I had to call the police before I left my second husband because of things I was finding that he was doing. And, um, he had threatened mm -hmm. to kill me and he had the means to do so with the business that he had. Um, anyway, when I called the police, also because he had taken a $2 million life insurance policy out on me, and I found out that he had paid my policy a year in advance and that his had lapsed for four or five months. Like, I just got sick, and I knew that if my husband was finding out all the things that I was finding out about him, like, I was worried for my life. I was scared, and yeah. that was the one thing the police officer asked me was, well, has he ever hit you? <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, but that's not the only form of abuse. I think a lot of people think that if you're not being beat up, you're not abused. Um, so the abuse that I experienced was verbal, emotional, sexual, mental, financial, and psychological. Financial is interesting. Financial. I, a lot of people don't think that that is a type of abuse, but that is legally it a is, type of abuse, is, even yeah. legally, because mm -hmm. you've brought yes. that in. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Give us a little bit of... Just be, being totally controlled with money. Um, I, He did not want me to work. He wanted me to work at his business. And I did, and I was not compensated. I had to still ask for money to go buy groceries. 
mm -hmm. um, to buy gas for the car. I was never allowed to have any extra money. Um, if I went through it faster than he thought I should, he was questioning where I spent it, and I had to pretty much show him receipts, of, you know, grocery store receipts, gas receipts. Um, and that's why it was so hard to get out, because I did not have any money right. of my own. I couldn't hide money. He yeah. had to know where every cent I had where he or was where it was going. So that's financial abuse. Yeah. Um, and just so you know, this is kind of coming to mind. I've we've worked with um, a few groups. I've, we've got another mutual friend that has worked at the women's shelter, um, and there are resources out there that can help you if you're like mm -hmm. this. And I'm going to go ahead and put some of those in the notes for this podcast. So if anybody listening. Um, is starting to recognize maybe there's some things they're experiencing. And I'm going to even share some books that we've done um, from as we've learned and kind of because sometimes it's, I mean, first step is always an awareness. You know, what am I dealing with? And I think that was helpful for you, right? For, yes. To kind of go, oh my gosh, I really am experiencing this, which you didn't know the first time I, around. I didn't know that, no. For a long time. What? Yeah. When did you finally realize that's what you were experiencing, even with the first marriage? Um. Do you remember? Can't pinpoint I, yeah. it. Just kind of came yeah. to just recognize. I think, I know both of us have kind of, sometimes it takes an outside perspective. And I think we dismiss it because we want to, it's that confirmation bias. We've got to make our situation work. And so we don't want to really fully look at what's happening. Right. And so sometimes we'll dismiss too quickly. I know we've both said to each other from an outside perspective, hey, I think some, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we get nervous about that. And you're like, if you see a friend that's going through that and you want to say, you know what, I think some things are off here, they may dismiss you or even get angry. Mm -hmm. But trust me, we still, we may not be able to look at it then, but we listen to it, right? It's tricky. It's tricky, like trying to tell a friend, oh, you know what, something seems or feels really off. Mm -hmm. Like pointing that out to them, a lot of times people will get upset or angry, but I think it gives them something to think about mm -hmm. and then maybe they can start recognizing those things a little bit more. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that all those are accurate, but it's good to not dismiss it too right. quickly to say, am I looking at something here? Verbal and emotional abuse. There's a lot more information out there about it now. Um, <clears throat> there's one particularly a form called gaslighting where um, specifically everything that they try to make you I mean, it comes from the movie that was called Gaslight. I think it was like in the 1920s or 40s. Old movie where something about like her husband had died and then the son was trying to like, he wanted to like have her committed so he could get the inheritance. And so like she, he would like turn down the pilot light and she'd say, you know, what's wrong with the pilot light? And he'd say, you're crazy. Like yeah. it's fine. Or he'd move pictures around. What are you talking about? He made her feel crazy. He made her feel crazy. Mm -hmm. And there, there is that to certain varying levels of extreme where I remember thinking, trying to explain it. It's like, They'll manipulate it and they'll come off as such this charming, wonderful person. And they're so good. That's part of the gaslighting is that they can come across everybody else's, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'm so wonderful and I'm such a good person. And then they'll push you to a point of freaking out and then they'll point to you and go, see, you're crazy. You're, crazy. Yep. you're the one that, you know. And yep. so I think, you know, we won't go into all of these. That's not, we really want to get to the redemptive side of the story, which is what's so powerful. But I am, I'm taking more time than I even planned on because I just have this sense on this front end that there's people listening that you may need to recognize what you're dealing with and, and honor that. And that, that this isn't about you. It's not because you're not enough. It's not because you're not doing enough or that if you did something, it would change. Um, 
that it is really about them. They need healing. They have their own issues that they've come into, but they don't need to work it out on your head, you know, and those are some lessons I know that we're going to get into. So you got to that really big ordeal. Um, what, what, share with us kind of as you, as you face some of those things, um, what got you through? What got you through? Honestly, I, there were some really, really dark times. Um, and it's not something I've really told many people. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many times. Like, I, there was times I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't feel like I could get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that, sorry, I'm getting emotional, but um, I started to write my kids goodbye letters. Um, yeah. But then in writing those, I didn't even finish because I knew that they needed me. Even my adult kids, like I knew they still needed me and honestly, I needed them. And I think that's the main thing that got me through was that I, I knew I couldn't do that to my kids, that they, they needed me. They needed a sane, <laughs> halfway normal parent. <laughs> you know, they needed, we need each other. And, and that's what, that's what, you know. That's honestly what got me through is my kids. Yeah. And I think you and I talked about, and I, and, um, and me, I'm glad you didn't leave me either. (laughs) 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 But I think, um, I, it is really hard. And Jeremy even talked a little bit about it in the last one there. We, we all, I think, I don't think most of us escape this life without getting to a point of like, I do not know how to go forward from this. And that, you know, it is always darkest before the dawn, like that there will be, my mom talked about it, you know, when I, when she was in that darkness, she said, you know, in those moments, I had to trust that the light would come again because I'd experienced it before. Cause there's no light sometimes, right. you know, it feels like it's there, but we just can't see, but it'll feel pitch black. And mm-hmm. so to find those things that can be our light, whether it's our kids or, but really ourselves, we deserve the opportunity to heal and get out of that and know that that does not have to be our whole existence. And to get that support, those of you that I know sometimes your life can literally be on the line if you try to get out, um, know that we want to do that with resources and support um, so that you you have that protection as well. And we did, we gathered your team too as well to try to get you as safe as we could. but let's talk a little bit about that too. You talked a little bit, just briefly, I just want to highlight this before we kind of go into more kind of coming out of this redemptive arc, into this redemptive arc. Um, I think sometimes we, not only do we stay because we think if we could just fix ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And that is important for us to do while we're in it because that gives us either the strength to stay within it in a healthier way mm-hmm. or choose to get out, right? right? And that it's not about getting healing just to leave because I think some are like well if I go work on this then I have to leave right no you still have the choice if that's where you want to be for whatever reason if you need to play something out if you need to and and that's the thing too is we never want to push people it's your timing like you know I know you talked about you feel like you stayed too long but I think sometimes we do what we can with the best we can and we go when we're ready talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that and why also you talked about sometimes I think we think we need to stay for the kids when really the damage is really pretty bad if we do. Yeah, I think in both of my marriages, I, I, it's interesting. I think I stayed too long because I had kids with my husbands. Um, and of course, everybody wants to have their kids be in a two-parent home. Right. But I was starting to see the damage it was doing to my kids both times. Like, 
damage. <laughs> and then on the other side of it, especially with the second marriage, um, I feel like I stayed too long, but then at the same time, how everything, looking back, fell into place, it, per it was the perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Like, it was perfect, how it all kind of happened. Yeah. Even though it was scary and hard, it, was, it happened in the perfect timing. I, I think it does. I think when we look back at that, we can see that timing. I think there's a lot more grace and we're carried more than we realize exactly. all the time. Yes. And I know that that was um, part of what you kind of came to an awareness of. When I talked to Gerilyn about this first, I said, you know, what would be your redemptive story? What are your takeaways? So as you're moving out of that big ordeal and you're getting into um, kind of the lessons learned, um, I asked her, I said, kind of just be thinking about what you've learned, what your takeaways are. They call it like the elixir or reward from the experience. I mean, it's hard to think there's even a reward from this experience, mm -hmm. but that's the amazing piece about life, about grace, about how things work out is that if we look for it, if we recognize our own worth to work for it, to heal and find that, that there is, there is this redemptive story just waiting to step into in a lot of ways. And so... Um, you wrote these to me, and I want you to just go ahead and read them because it was okay. so beautiful what you wrote, but then then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. So I know there were kind of um, about four lessons that really stood out to you. So talk about the first one. Tell us the first one. Okay. I've learned that recovering from abuse is not a linear process, neatly mapped in order from A to Z. Instead, the journey more closely resembles several births, each one carrying its own set of labor pains that zigzag from flatline to intense peaks without notice. And I've learned that it is during this unpredictable and oftentimes tumultuous journey that it's granted me the ability to emerge with the wings that would later help me to fly. I just, yeah, <laughs> we just need to sit there. And if any of you are doing anything right now while you're listening, just stop for a second. And I want you to actually read that first part again for me. I've learned that recovering from abuse is not a linear process, neatly mapped in order from A to Z. One more. Instead, the journey more closely resembles several bursts, each one carrying its own set of labor pains that zigzag from flatline to intense peaks without notice. That is the most profound metaphor I've ever heard. And I, like, I cried when I read it the first time, and it still makes me emotional. I think so often we expect that this is going to be, okay, I'm out, and then I can start working on these things. And anybody who's had trauma and they've experienced PTSD mm -hmm. of any sort from any frame um their experience in life it's like that we're going to go up and down yes. but that doesn't mean you're not healing that doesn't mean you're not growing um that when that happens this is just to know that it's a cyclical process we even talked about in the episode on grief yeah that you know it's it's we're gonna it's gonna come back around and to being aware of that empowers us so that we don't feel like oh I'm not growing I'm not healing and then going back into that depressive kind of state where it can put us back into that victim energy mm -hmm. say that last line then in okay. that in that one and I've learned that it is during this unpredictable and oftentimes tumultuous journey that it's granted me the ability to emerge with the wings that would later help me to fly yeah yeah and and um, the strength that I've seen in you would be one of those. And the biggest one is that you, if I were to say this, is a, and I think, and, and I'm going to share this, this is kind of why we landed on the title. I think every one of us in this life, our biggest battle is feeling enough. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come in varying levels, that we're worth the, the effort to um, 
to take care of ourselves, to set boundaries to whatever that looks like. And um, I think you were really unusually hard on yourself. I think I have been my whole life and I've, I've internalized a lot of what's happened to me, making it feel like what have, what am I doing wrong to make this person treat me this way? Mm-hmm. And I finally am coming out on the other side. I mean, I still am working on things, um, but I, I am, I am enough. I deserve to be treated well. I deserve to be respected and loved. Absolutely. Amen. And everybody listening, it's the exact same. We all do. And, um, What's interesting is sometimes we think staying with someone or putting up with that, that's not honoring to the other person either because what's going to be best for them is to heal. And sometimes they need it to get really loud. Mm -hmm. They need to have a pretty strong consequence. Otherwise, we're just almost enabling it. They just keep doing it. When we think we're doing, we're turning the other cheek, Mm -hmm. you know, to use that. And that's really, yes, we want to be gracious and kind and all of that. But there, there is not kindness in allowing someone to also deteriorate themselves by being abusive. Right. And I think that that's critical, that that's honoring for everybody involved when we're like, no more. Yeah. No more. So go to the next lesson that you learned. The next lesson. Um, Not every day is good, but there is good in every day. It's so easy to become consumed by the bad stuff and completely overlook the good. But there is so much good. Even when life sucks, there are still things to appreciate and be grateful for. We're not meant to go through this life alone. There were so many times over the past few years as I've gone through this trial and trauma that I found myself in tears over really good people who reached out and helped, some secretly and not so secretly, and I'm still in awe over the kindness of others. And I have seen God's hand placing people in my life during this time. That's such a critical and powerful thing that you said to start with, because of anybody I know, you would be completely justified in saying, where's my ticket to this life back? This is crap. (laughs) Believe me, I have actually thought that. (laughs) What is going on? But this is... um, I think a really powerful piece about what you've done that you have found the good. Talk about a couple of the experiences of how people came in and, and helped and what you saw. Um, like you mentioned earlier, I have gone back to school to per- pursue um, secondary education. And so I've been going to college and I had, I had um, a current professor and a past professor both send me emails because my... <laughs> My divorce and just everything that was happening was very public. It was all over the news. And so pretty much most of Utah and some of Idaho, (laughs) it was on their news. And so um, they had heard about it and they reached out to me and just told me they were supportive of me and that they were proud of me. Um, My advisor at Utah State, she also sent me an email. And just every time I would receive, receive something like that from people who... Honestly, I didn't even think really knew me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, my advisor, we, we have become pretty good friends, but like my professors at real, um, I don't know. It was just, it was touching. It was heartfelt. And I, it was what I needed at the time. It was, it was awesome. And also, um, the other thing that stands out to me is, um, I had the secretary from my son's elementary school call me one day and say that there was 
um, a gift bag <laughs> sitting at her desk that she had stepped away from her desk and came back and there was a gift bag with my name on it and she wanted to know if I wanted to come get it or send it home with my son and I asked her who it was from and she said there was no card so I told her just to send it home with my son and he brought it home and I just I was in tears there was gift cards to restaurants there was cash um, and I know <laughs> I know who it's from um, and it just like it just really it made me feel really good and it was really helpful at the time also so uh, that when you shared that and I saw this I was witness to this of you having little things come in and happen and, and I know in my own experience I think that's one of the ways we have grace come in to let us know that we're carried and we're not alone in that if those of us that want to step in and be helpful to someone who's going through something difficult, what do you think, you know, what advice do you give? Like, what, I think sometimes we don't act because we don't know what to do. So. I think that's exactly, I think sometimes we don't know what to say because it can be a really hard or difficult situation. Um, anything, do, I mean, an email, a simple email, that meant so much to me, just that there was people out there supportive of me and thinking about me. Um, you don't even have to say much. Just let the person know you're thinking of them, you love them, that you're there for them. That's Any simple lovely. act is is enough. Awesome. Awesome. So that kind of leads us into the third one that's tying into, like, I think you were a little bit surprised about who showed up in your life and who didn't. And, yes. and this has been a lesson for you over time. And I think for all of us, when we talk about stepping into our worth and what that looks like and what this could mean. So tell us about this really big third lesson you learned. Okay. I realized that I used to miss people who were no longer in my life, regardless of how horribly they treated me. I would find excuses for them. I would forgive behavior so that they could be in my life at the time and hold space for them to come back because I miss them. Then I got this handy little thing called self-esteem, and I realized that I don't need to miss people who left me feeling like crap more often than not. I don't need to miss people who were cruel to me because sometimes they weren't. I no longer need to hold space for them. With this realization has come a freedom like I've never felt. Wow. I think this one, this one is still... I can feel like my resistance to it even now, and I know this has been a hardest one for us because we've been taught that you just turn the other cheek mm -hmm. and the thing that you should be doing is just give multiple, multiple chances, right? And yes. so we have this big cognitive dissonance. We're supposed to be doing this, and yet at the same time, you know, what does that look like? And so I think this is this can be a real challenge, but this is powerful. It's not, and you didn't say that you were cruel to those other people or whatever. You just talk a little bit more about that. Like, what have you, you know, within that that you shared with us? Um, I just, I remember years ago, there was somebody in my life who was giving me hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kept taking it. I would never say anything back. I just, but I was super frustrated and I was venting to my mom about it. Just how I was so sick of this person being awful to me uh -huh. and that I was going to seriously say something back. I'd had it. And my mom would just say, turn the other cheek. And I <laughs> yeah. finally said to my mom, I've turned my cheek so much that my neck hurts. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, like I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think there comes a point where you, I mean, you should give people second chances and be kind. But when you're seeing a repeated behavior, you don't have to, you don't have to be treated like that. You deserve better. Yeah. You need to have enough respect for yourself to know when to, you know what, that person just doesn't need to be in your life, right? Whether it's just for a while or it's 
forever. You, you don't have to do that. Well, and I think we talked about this, so two thoughts came to mind, um, that especially when it comes to family, we don't want to put them out of our lives because of the way that they, because it's yeah. family, right? right? You just, it's just family. Yeah. You do that. But, and I need to do a premise. My mind's going over the place first is this is coming to mind because my mom and I talked about this where, you know, I mean, she even talked about like the commandment, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. She would talk about as thyself. Mm -hmm. So often we use it as an aside, but it was never intended that, that someone else's comfort level or whatever is over our own. It is about the balance and honoring of both. Yes. Of both. Yes. And you need to have boundaries. You need to have boundaries. And, um, and, and so I think, you know, we talked about this too, that like, you know, there's a lot of literature out there and a lot of awareness around, um, you know, you, it's good to move toxic relationships out of your life, but that gets dicier when it's family. Yeah. But, I, and I've been reading things. There's been like little sayings on Facebook I've seen recently, and it's so true that we totally support people when they, and we encourage them to get it out of a toxic, loving, like a relationship, mm -hmm, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's not as encouraged when it's family. I think the big takeaway, though, that I've seen in you, that it, how, how people respond to you in this journey is on them. Mm -hmm. It's on them. Exactly. And, and, and I've had to learn that because I, I definitely have a need for people to like me. And so it's been like I would not say certain things or do certain things because I wanted people to still like me, right? right? <clears throat> and to my detriment, that I would sacrifice my own feelings, my own safety, my own, you. you know, whatever. And so I think that's a powerful piece for all of us to be aware of. The redemptive part in this is it's not about turning around and being cruel to another, but it's about freeing them up to become, to use the opportunity to go heal and figure it out, but at the same time equally honoring ourselves to set those boundaries. And that the more that we really do begin to value and truly, like, recognize our own divine worth, mm -hmm then we understand what that means to set those boundaries and honor that. Exactly. But that is beautiful to lead us into that fourth lesson too. So talk okay. about that. The greatest lesson I'm still learning is that of forgiveness and how my healing is dependent on how much I show it to myself, first and foremost. I forgive myself for making the mistakes I did, for staying too long, for putting up with too much, since I now know the truth about abuse. The truth is I was losing a game that I didn't even know was being played. I have forgiven myself. I am kind to myself, making up for all of the years that I wasn't. And today I stand fully in the light, no longer a victim, but a strong survivor. Today I can look in the mirror and immediately recognize myself with love. I am wise. I am strong. I am beautiful. And I am still learning. Wow. That just gives me goosebumps because I, hopefully it touches everybody who's listening, but I've known like how long it took you to get here. Like I've watched you since we were five, you know, and for you to be able to say those things, it's a testament to the work that you've done. When we go through these things, time doesn't heal it. Work does. Exactly. And I still have work to do. We all do. I still have days where I maybe don't feel so great about those <laughs> things, but I can turn it around and, and feel good about myself. But I do think forgiveness is critical. It was even one of the steps of the 12 steps, but I love that you said to myself first. Yes, I think that's important. You have to forgive yourself first and foremost Yeah. to be able to forgive others. Absolutely. And then the ability to forgive others, we can kind of work through and move towards. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we talked about, and Gerilyn, thank you for 
being willing to talk about this. I know that it's not always easy, but this is the thing that I know um, that your courage in doing so can help others um, be able to recognize this and know that you can come out of this on the other side. And so I asked you, and I do have all my guests in this series, um, about two key takeaways that you gained. Like if you were sitting down with someone who was having a similar experience and you just said, you know, these two things, what are they? First one would be um, you're allowed to terminate toxic relationships. You're allowed to walk away from people who hurt you. And you don't know anyone an explanation for taking care of yourself. That's awesome. The first one. Okay, second one. Second one is one day at a time. I've heard people say that many times in my life, but I've never actually put it into practice. Um, one of my greatest talents, not to brag, is worrying. <laughs> I still am guilty of that. Um, most of my life, I've allowed my mind to wander ahead of the day and get consumed with negative what-ifs. Um, focusing on just today, just the things that are actually in my control has made life much more manageable. That one's huge, Jared. I still am really working on that one. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um because they talk about depression being something we deal with when we get stuck in the past and anxiety when we're always in the future. Mm -hmm. That being present is so is our PowerPoint. If we can come back into that and just, and I love that that you said, focusing on the things that you can actually control. Because mm -hmm. most things you can't. <laughs> most things you can't. Um, yeah. But what can you control? What have you learned you can control? Um, you can control how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself. I mean, it takes work, but those are things you can control. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's the biggest piece. You can control your belief and sense of self in a way that then what's happening outside of you has less effect, mm -hmm. right? And yes. you're going to draw those boundaries and, and set that up. Um, Gerilyn is one that is just this woman has like no judgment in her and she has such profound insight and has walked past that most have not and thankfully probably never will in this lifetime. So she is one that if you're listening to this and there's things that are resonating and you want someone with her insight to talk to you, um, she said she's great if you contact her. Um, she can be found on Facebook and Instagram under Gerilyn Shaw, so you could message her there, or I will also put an email contact in the notes today, which can be found, as always, at pursuingperspective.org slash podcast. Is there anything before we close out today that you want to add? We've kind of done it all, haven't we? got it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for being my friend. Thank and you. for being an example of strength continually for me and for others and for sharing this as I know it will be a gift to all who listen. So as we all continue to, to try to grow and tell that redemptive story, um, which we're going to be continuing to do, do in this series. And I look forward to connecting with you on this journey of healing and growth as we pursue perspective and progression. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more podcasts and information on events, visit pursuingperspective.org.